Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. This week, we welcome special guest Judd Legum, journalist, founder of Popular Info, a newsletter about politics and power. Uh, Judd is one of the leading voices speaking truth to power in America today. Um, really looking forward to our conversation. Judd, welcome. Thanks for having me, Joe. And, you know, one thing I want to do before I hand it off to Alex is uh, tell everybody, uh, you know, I saw today that the NewsGuard rating uh, gave you a hundred of a hundred for doing a whole lot of things that we think journalists should do. Uh, I mean, it was it was actually kind of a I want to congratulate you because, I mean, it was everything from does not repeatedly publish fake content. I think that's really excellent that's stuff. Yeah. Uh, gathers and pr presents information responsibly, regularly corrects or clarifies errors, handles the difference between news and opinion responsibly, avoids deceptive headlines. I mean, it, you just go down this list and you you, you scored um, 100 out of 100. Uh, and, I, and I think, it, you know, one, congrats, and two, it's a shame that... Uh, uh, so many in the media and so many journalists uh, fall short of that. Uh, so anyway, uh, great to have you you with us. And again, I urge people to subscribe to Popular Info. We'll put that in our show, uh, note, a link to that in our show notes. Uh, and that's the reason why it's really good quality and reporting uh, that makes a difference. Uh, Alex, uh, I turn it over to you. Yeah. So, guys, one of the bigger stories this week, obviously, the California recall polling was all over the place, but it kind of towards the end solidified a little more with 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 a solid Newsom lead. But as of when we're recording this, it, it, he he's up by a lot. It might shrink a little bit with some of the, the last kind of tidbits coming in. But we had a bunch of listener questions. And first of all, I just want I, I know, Judd, you wrote something on this recently, but I want both of your takeaways on this. Well, I think it shows the limits of, of Trump's style of politics for the Republican Party. Uh, I don't think you can extrapolate too far. Uh, certainly, there's a lot of Democrats in California, so you can win in California and lose a lot of other places. But it did look close for a while. But then I think as Elder became really the face of this and started articulating sort of Trump-style Republicanism, all the way up in, to including that this was a rigged election and that it was it was marred by fraud, I think it fell flat. So it's only going to take you so far. Uh, and I think, you know, to me, that's that's the takeaway. It might still be able to take you far enough in a, in a national election, maybe, uh, but it's not going to work in California and it's not going to expand uh, your universe. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think you have to be careful about taking too many lessons from specials, uh, special elections or or, you know, this recall. They're all special situations. It's all turnout uh, game for the most part. What I did think was interesting is that the, there did not seem to be some kind of, you know, surge turnout on for elder. You know, I mean, in other words, the, the Democrats, you know, there was all kinds of questions about whether there was any interest um, did anybody really think Newsom was in trouble? Were they going to bother? And they did. I think that's important. But I also think that it's clear there are a couple ingredients that matter to the extent the Republican Party nominates these hard, further right Trump wannabes uh, like Elder in terms of their rhetoric and what they're talking about. 
I think that does give the in even marginal seats a there's an opening that that provides an opening because those candidates in Elder did tend to push away moderate um, Republican women, younger Republicans. So I, I think that's all a plus. But, uh, you know, we're a long way away. And I'm literally looking at Virginia uh, coming up here. The Virginia races, I think, is, you know, that's more of the kind of uh, it, it's it's blue, but uh, it's a blue state, I think. But uh, uh, it, but it's a little a hell of a lot more purple than than California is these days. So I'm interested in seeing what happens there. Well, it, you mentioned Virginia. I, it, right now, it's actually a pretty similar campaign. It, the themes in terms of what the Republicans are doing, you got Youngkin. But then on the, the Democratic side, they're running on vaccines. They're they're essentially running on the same playbook that that Newsom did. So it'll be interesting to see whether that, that motivates people and it may be a better test case there. Well, that may be. But I mean, look, I think we can talk about all this stuff is going to be different uh, or could be much different. Uh, in November 2022, including where we are in the COVID crisis and, and how the two parties are playing it out. It's cur- obviously, currently, it's uh, uh, and in California, and I and I hope in Virginia, it, it works to bring uh, more reasonable people into the, into voting Democratic uh, as they did in California and hopefully in Virginia. J- Judd, what I want to really talk though about is all your reporting, a lot of really fabulous reporting on on the money that's fueling all this. Um, you know, I was struck by, I think about a month ago, uh, a piece uh, you did or, or, or a thread you did, I, I don't remember, on, on critical race theory and who is, who's funding that and how it it's come, come into play here. I'd like to, for you to talk a little bit about you know those kinds of things that you know Texas abortion ban and, and and other other things that are clearly you know attracting financial support and who's driving it. Yeah, and I think it's sometimes it's quite straightforward to do this kind of research, and uh, you know it's it's readily available. Uh, I think you can look at what's happened in Texas and as the Texas Republican Party has lurched further and further to the right, culminating really in this last special session where they put in place not only a very restrictive, almost entire ban on abortion, but also setting up this bounty system where you know $10,000 for a bounty on anyone who helps a woman uh, get an abortion. But at the same time, what, what I've found in my research is that the corporate dollars haven't stopped flowing. That corporations that at other times have said, you know, you know, uh, there was a subsidiary of AT&T, Warner Media, has said in the past when Georgia tried to do this in 2019, the six-week abortion ban, they didn't have the bounties, but they had the six-week abortion ban. They said, well, we're going to have to reconsider doing business in this state if this bill goes into effect. Now, at that time, you had a little bit of a different situation with the with the federal courts, and it didn't end up going to effect. So they weren't really tested there. But here now in 2021, there's a different dynamic. And a lot of the same companies uh, like AT&T, uh, like Comcast, some of the companies that have given you know, according to what I've found, hundreds of thousands of dollars to the sponsors of these le- this legislation just over the last couple of years, 
were willing to speak out in 2019, but with an even more radical bill that actually is having a big impact because it's been allowed to go into effect, um, impacting the ability of women to, to get an abortion, to get healthcare. Um, it's a totally different situation. So, so I think it speaks a lot to our political moment. Certainly the, the right has become more forceful about pushing back against this kind of stuff and really wants to inflict pain. But corporations have, it's worked to a certain extent. Uh, corporations are, are less willing um, to speak out. Part of what I think, what I've posited is going on is that uh, a whole lot of Americans don't understand what's at stake and corporate America doesn't either. I mean, they still think we're living in a, a two-party world. And in corporate America, that meant covering your rear with both sides, giving to you know, members uh, of the Republican Party on this committee, giving the Democrats on that committee, and then like lobbying them both to get, uh, you know, to get your deal through. And that they don't really understand the sort of the authoritarian threat out there, uh, the, the wing of the Republican Party that's doing these things and, ha and has control of the party, you know, with, and but they're still giving to they're still doing the both sides thing. Is it that or or are they actually kind of engaged in wanting this stuff to happen or, or? No, I think it's I think it's more of what you were saying. I, I think it's about the practice of which, which probably made sense. 30 years ago, you right. know, if you were a business, everyone was in the same general vicinity on policy. You know, maybe they were talking about this tax rate or this tax rate. They were probably going to go a little bit one way on abortion, make it a little bit more difficult. The other side was going to make it a little easier. But there was a, a realm of this is the kind of stuff that's mainstream and this is the kind of stuff that's not going to be welcome. Um, in, in either party, but as one side, the, the Republicans have become more radicalized. You know, you, we've seen Democrats go farther to, to the left, but there it's a different it's a different kind of approach. You know, you you don't you don't have this this real radical approach, even the way this is this is set up as far as the enforcement. And I don't think that they've gotten out of that. They still want access to these Republican leaders in a state like Texas uh, because. They want to be able to control the, you know, the tax environment, the regulatory environment. It's not that they so much that they don't care about, um, you know, it's not so much that they're trying to push these abortion restrictions. It's that they've decided to deprioritize it. But at the same time, often, you know, and this is the case with AT&T, this is the case with a lot of these companies, publicly, they've got these advertising campaigns and everything else talking about women's empowerment, talking about how they're going to be inclusive. Mm -hmm. yep. So they're kind of playing both both sides here. They want to still maintain their access with these very regressive figures who really want to take America backwards 10, 30, 40, 50 years. But publicly, they understand that's not how you build up a, a public national image that that's, people are going to be attracted to. So they're pushing the exact opposite message. And, you know, one thing I try to draw out, you know, in my newsletter is that these two things don't always align very well, the, the public messaging and 
where the money gets spent. Well, right. And that goes to another part of your question, which is, this is just a small piece of it. I mean, when you look at something like Texas and, and how much money goes to the sponsors of the abortion bill, these figures, because they're limited under law, are relatively low amounts. I mean, $300,000 is a lot of money. It's not that much money if you're AT&T. But there is even larger amounts of money that can be very difficult to get your hands around that are going to 527 right. groups, that are going to nonprofits, that are going to all different kinds of entities where the money, for the most part, stays secret. You know, one of the things that I did around critical race theory when I kept on hearing it, critical race theory, critical race theory, critical race theory, where did you hear it? The last time I heard it, I was in law school. You know, right. 20, 20 years ago, you know, I, I was I heard about it in class, but you didn't hear about it much after that. And although a lot of the money is secret, you can if you're a foundation, you do have to report how you spend your money to the IRS. So I went and looked at these foundation filings and I found that there was one particular foundation, Thomas W. Smith Foundation. Not a lot of people had heard about it. Uh, I hadn't heard a lot about it. But if you look at all of the entities, the Manhattan Institute, the Heritage Foundation, all of these places right down the line, they all have major contributions from the Thomas W. Smith Foundation. And if you look at both Thomas W. Smith and a guy, the guy who who's really running the foundation, a, uh, a guy named James Pearson, um, you can kind of see where this is coming from because he has very... Uh, I would say retrograde ideas about the role of diversity in colleges, the role of diversity in the workplace, the, even the value of trying to achieve racial equality. So that's a lot of what's fueling this. So, you know, that's part of the challenge here is that some stuff is staring you right in the face. Other stuff, we really don't know what's going on. Um, and it's having a big impact on our politics. I think we're going to be hearing, you know, it's, it's kind of faded a little bit, but I think we'll be hearing a lot about critical race theory between now and in 2022. There's going to be right. a lot of ads about it. There's going to be people who are going to make it the centerpiece of their campaign. A lot of it is just, it's all kind of made up, but it's it's a central political talking point. And, and, and this money that this, this, all this action that's going on right now are setting those ads up. You've got to kind of fill in the gaps for people so that it can hit them when it, when they're ready when when these politicians are ready to hit them. With. So the the W was Thomas W Smith Foundation, is that right? Yeah. So they're not you know in that case there's not not a whole lot I, I would think that um, you know public pressure citizens raising you know, you know their their voices that, that could do to change that that giving but wh wh why or do you think the AT&T's of the world are susceptible to sort of grassroots organizing you know to, ch to, to challenge them uh, I mean we saw some of this with the Lincoln Project uh, with Toyota we went after them um, and it seemed to work yeah. pretty quickly but is that something that, that that you think would work or are they just I mean one of the problems you've got like in Texas is you, if you're AT&T and these guys is um, the Republicans have the majority. They got the governor. Uh, you know, in other words, it's it's it, yes. Um, you want to make sure your taxes. I mean, all the other stuff that the AT and T wants, right? Uh, you know, is 
like it, 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 there's no one else they can deal with. Therefore, we got to give them money. But look at all this other stuff they're doing. How do we how do we, you know, shake them off of that? Yeah, I I think that it doesn't always happen. I think that it can happen. I think you mentioned Toyota. You know, they didn't they went one direction. Um, they, they had cut off donations like many of the companies. And that's something that, you know, I spent a lot of time kind of tracking is that, you know, these companies were giving money to the Republicans that tried to overturn the election. A lot of them said, we're going to cut them off. And then some of them kept their word. Others like Toyota went back on it, the Lincoln Project and others, you know, pointed that out. They put out a great uh, ad kind of attacking them from it. And then they reversed. Now they're not giving uh, the money. So it can it can happen. And I actually know that even on this abortion issue, you know, I haven't been able to report this because I'm getting this stuff off the record, but I do know that there are corporations who are going to change their practices as a result of some of the scrutiny that they've gotten about this Texas abortion bill, or at least that's what they're saying, but they're unwilling to say so publicly. So some of it will have to reveal itself over time. I mean, there's I really feel like they do need to say something publicly because that's what's really going to make a change. But I also think that they don't want to be caught up in in a big political controversy because of course if you say something and that's really what more what's been remarkable we, we've we're moving away the Texas this Texas bill moves away from the right to have an abortion that we've had you know, in place for decades in the country, and you haven't really had almost, there's been almost no statements, nothing from corporate America. There's been a few exceptions, come a couple of the dating companies, Uber, right. Lyft, but for the most part, you haven't, you haven't heard anything. And I think it's because they don't want to get caught up in it. You know, how sustainable is that if the Supreme Court, like many people suspect, kind of finalizes this? Uh, when when they deal either with the Texas uh, lawsuit or some of these other lawsuits that are pending, I don't know. But I also think that some of the change may not be dramatic, but certainly it's better to get that information out there right. and have people know about it than it is not. Well, thanks to you uh, and your stuff, we 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 a lot more people do know about it. Uh, uh, and it was uh, that again, uh, it was your thread on uh, critical race theory. I mean, I remember reading about that and, uh, and it, it just struck me that there's so, so much dark money out there and that's clearly fueling um, that, you know, this this drive on the right. Um, and they are going to do everything they can between now and and. Uh, November 2022, to set that table, like you said, to sort of set the argument out there, the trap out there, and then run, let, let the, the political ad firms just go, and, and their own um, super PACs go crazy to drive, you know, sort of seal the deal um, and uh, uh, continue the fear mongering that they've got going. But the, but the fact that these corporations are, are wittingly or not um, financing it, I mean, they, so many of the 147 members of Congress who voted against confirming uh, or certifying the election are still getting tons of money, even from, as you said, like Toyota said no, then they did. Now they're not. But um, 
uh, it's just amazing to me that in the face of this, corporate America still continues to sort of play the both sides game. Yeah, and I think this is really going to come to a head, right? Because you, know, you had the IPC, IPCC report on climate change. And of course, after it came out, all these corporations, Google, Microsoft, I mean, everyone, they're all out with statements saying, this is important. We're committed to this. We have these aggressive plans to cut our own emissions. Now, the question is, can you really be committed to something like that and be donating to a James, James Inhofe in the- Right, in the or Senate, a science denier, you know, yeah. Who's, who's throwing snowballs on the, on the Senate floor. Can you, can you donate to a party that's committed to denying that science even exists? And, and there, this isn't going to go away. Um, and right now they, they do, you know, they're, they're putting aggressive plans for their own company, but at the same time, they're financing and supporting politicians who are obstructing what actually needs to happen, which is a, a collective response from, from the government, because it's a bigger problem than even a huge company like a, like a Google or an Amazon um, can fix. So I think that's, that's what's going to come up more and more and more. And I think there is a back and forth in a lot of companies. There's a very powerful segment that's pushing the old way of doing things. But there's also other people who are vocal who want things to change. And, and that's something that's going to play well, out. Well, that's one of the things we've been at the Lincoln Project working on is, is to actually try to, to – energize and impact employees. So you have consumers, but how many employees at AT&T really want, uh, you know, are, are, gonna, are, are they willing to raise their voice and say, hey, we got to stop giving to these people if they're going to ban abortion, you know, do, go down this road, this, this, this authoritarian and, 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 you know, backwater road. Um, so hopefully that that's a tactic that we that I, I, you report we got to do, but I'm just trying to get, 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 get some insight. Yeah. No, but I think you hit the nail on the head with what really drives action. And I think it's especially true with the tech companies. You know, we saw this play out with Microsoft after January 6th, they said, Oh, well, we're going to put a pause on all of our donations. And it was really the employees who sent a letter saying, no, this isn't good enough. You need to specifically cut off the people who tried to overturn the election and you need to do it for an extended period of time. And then they reversed and said, we're gonna cut off the 147 Republicans and we're gonna do it for at least the entire cycle. And it's because, you know, if you're a tech company like Microsoft, you can't afford to lose, you know, 100 engineers or, or, or at least have them looking for other jobs. I mean, their talent, their, their, their skilled people are not easily replaceable. They're already at war with each other you know, trying to poach right. the talent from one place to the other. So a group of 10 or 20 people, it seems like a big organization, but if it's the right 10 or 20 people, that definitely will get, you know, their their attention. And I think it's like that at tech companies and, you know, probably like that at a lot of different companies because to a certain extent, all these big companies are, are tech companies and deal with, you know, people with, have people with very specialized skills who bring a lot of value to their company. Yeah, Judd, you, you highlight the, the employee activism as a really important part. And it, Joe, I know you've been through a lot of big corporate advocacy campaigns over the years. I mean, Wake Up Walmart is one. But what have you seen as kind of those key drivers of change? And, and what do you think that kind of, if we're telling our listeners what they need to be doing, what should they be doing right now? Well, I mean, Wake Up Walmart 
you know, was a sustained, you know, one year, multi-year actually campaign to, to get, uh, people energized to impact, you know, and, and the message and, and uh, get employees healthcare. I mean, a whole bunch of issues at, at, at Walmart, but it was a long sustained fight. Um, and I think we need to do that. I mean, I don't know if it's AT&T, but I think we, we need to make some kind of example of one of these companies. I mean, it, the one thing that'll wake up the other companies is C1 getting in a lot of trouble. Uh, that, that, that tends to, to wake up uh, uh, the C-suite and the board members of other other companies. And I think, so I, I just think the, the problem is there's so many companies that do not get what's actually happening here, or like I said, wittingly do get it. And because they're worried about taxes or something else, they're gonna uh, keep funding this. Uh, but I think we've gotta send a clear message that um, this isn't Republicans versus Democrats. It's not playing both sides. This is an authoritarian, movement versus those that are pro-democracy and uh and that uh, you got to choose sides here and it's not it, it's not give some money to the authoritarian movement and give some money to the pro-democracy side and see what happens first of all it, I, I still don't get this because it, as judge just pointed out whether it's climate change whether i mean no, no matter what the issue is uh, just democracy autocracy what what autocracy or or autocratic movement's been good for for company profits anywhere unless you were state you you were the the, the, the state owned corporation um so i don't understand why they they continue to sort of fuel this as Jed pointed out they fuel uh, on one hand they're running ads saying we've got and changing their own internal policies to address climate change at the same time they're giving um to these you know attack people are attacking science and going the other way i think it's really imperative that there's a grassroots ground up effort um to take on some of these targets and and i think you know what i think it might be at&t um that it's worth trying to go after i mean part of the other thing i think it's going on is the reason they're keeping quiet is because they don't want to tick off they're the same hostages that, that, that the um, uh, that some of the Republican officials are. They're being they're, they're held hostage by the, the the Trump supporters, right? They they don't want to say out loud these people are crazy. We're not with them because they need they want to sell to them too. So I think we've got to in bigger numbers say bullshit. You know, you can't, we're not going to let you stay silent on things like this. You're either with us or you're not. And if you're not, we're not going to be there for you. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's right. And ultimately it's about what companies feel like they can get away with. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, there's companies that want to do the right thing, but I think ultimately they want, they're fundamentally cautious. And so it's not that a bunch of companies decided that they would love to make a statement saying that they would stop funding the people who voted to try to install Trump, even though he lost the election. It's because they realized that was untenable. So right now they think it's tenable to stay silent on, on this abortion right. ban in Texas, you know, and, that, and that's how they feel. And, and maybe they're right about it. And, you know, it's, it may not stay that way forever. Uh, so it's, it's about, Will there be sufficient pressure so that they feel compelled to act? Um, 
and uh, you know, I, I definitely don't think it's going away. Oh, so no. this, is, this is this is just this no, is just we can't beginning. let it go away, um, and it's not going away. Judd, I feel like in the past what two years or so, basically everyone's gotten a Substack. We're on it, um, and and a ton more people are kind of moving off of mainstream news onto their own platforms. I, I, you, I, I seem to th- I recall you were pretty ahead of the curve here. I would love for you to just talk a little bit about your experience starting Popular Info and and, and what you've learned and 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 whether how how you think that model's going so far. Yeah, uh, I did uh, start. A little earlier than, than other folks, I, I started in the summer of 2018 um, on my own on Substack, and I think it's a great model, especially for the kind of stuff that I like to do because it's there's a purity to it in that you know I just have my subscribers and those are the only people I'm accountable to. So, you know, a lot of one of the issues about getting some of these stories out there is you know AT and T owns a major cable news network. Now, I think it's a good cable, pretty good cable news network. I like CNN. I watch CNN. I like a lot of the journalists there, but it's a little awkward for them um, to cover their corporate parent. uh, And it's a little awkward them to cover their advertisers. And so having that independence is very freeing for me. Uh, And I think it's a, and I think it's a good, a good model. And it also, as opposed to, you know, I came from the model where you're just publishing on the web and in your advertising driven. And that model is really geared to how can you get the most eyeballs on a page? Cause the eyeballs on the page, that's how you get paid with your advertising. Whereas the Substack model is built on subscription. So it's about forming a deep connection with your readers, giving them some deep value. And that incentivizes me to go and just keep digging and digging and digging and digging. And as it turns out, that's what I like to do as well. So, so it works out on, on, on both we, sides. We, that, we like that too. <laughs> yeah, is that what what is useful and is helps get new information out there is also what helps build your business and make it sustainable, and is also what what readers what readers want from this. So, so I'm 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 a fan. Uh, well, I, I am you. a fan. One of the themes we've had from guests in the past, I think uh, Joe, our friend Nico Mele was yeah. on, wow, seems like ages ago now, but talking about how the media has such an important role to play in this. And people have talked about how basically if you both sides Trumpism and kind of lay it out like there's two sides of an issue, you're kind of complicit in it. And your approach and the, what you've been able to do more independently, and no one, no one is going to mistake you for anything other than a progressive, right? But that, as Joe mentioned at the top of the show, that that hundred out of a hundred in terms of you know independence, in terms of you know legit reporting, shows that you can actually bring that, and you have a really important role to play in calling all these things out. Yeah, and, and I think to me that's the way how I, for myself, build trust is that I'm saying, here's who I am. Here's what I believe. You don't have to agree with it, but I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there. And I, over time, and I've, it's actually been surprising for me. There's a lot of people who read my newsletter who don't agree with my political views, but who appreciate the fact that I'm, I'm giving them some information that they haven't gotten someplace else. And, and I think that there's a lot of different ways to build trust and, pretending that there are two arguments with equal weight and equal facts behind them doesn't 
work anymore. Yeah, that's... It might have worked in the past, but it's not a good way to build trust. And it's a very, so it's very tricky if you're in that old dichotomy to try to build trust. I think I've been able to do it more successfully because I haven't, I don't have that legacy. I could just say, here's who I am. Here's what I believe. And here are the facts. And here's the link to the, ver- the primary source material, if you don't believe me. But I think that everyone is going to have to start to adapt and change if we don't want our trust in media to continue to erode. Yeah, I, I, I just think that what you're doing is great, Judd. And I really want to thank you for coming on. Thank everybody for listening to That Trippy Show. You can follow Judd on Twitter at Judd Legum. And don't forget to subscribe to his newsletter, popular.info. It's, it's, I can't, you know, push that enough. Uh, I think you will really uh, enjoy and learn from the information that Judd provides. We'll be back next Friday at the usual time and check back soon for more special guest episodes. We usually drop them on Tuesdays. We've got a couple of folks lined up that we're really excited to talk to. As always, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. You can always send us a question to that trippy show at Gmail. Dot com or leave us a question in the review on iTunes. See you next time. Thanks, Judd.